Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, True Roger fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today we're going to talk to USC Trojan football. Spring football 2017 is done. We're going to talk with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde about wrapping up spring football for USC, heading into summer workouts and, of course, fall camp in the 2017 season. Much anticipated. If you have any questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. Uh, we also have a new voicemail number, Google Voice, uh, 424-254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. You can text us or leave us a voicemail, and we will play it on the air. So if you want to send us a text message question, you can do that. You can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Peristylepodcast.com is our, is our website. You can get all of the podcast information, past episodes, and stuff like that. Hopefully you can subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or any of those services. We are on all of those. Leave us some positive feedback. We'd certainly appreciate it. And I want to bring in the coach, Harvey Hyde. He was out there Saturday for the spring quote-unquote game. Uh, what is up, coach? How are you? Well, good morning, everyone out there. How many of you are saying, I ate too much yesterday? I, I am one that said that. Do you say that right? Yes. Well, I, I gave up sweets for 40 days, so I started my breakfast with some Easter candy, which was not a good start to the day. <laughs> Everywhere I've been today, uh, coffee shop, talking friends, everyone's sitting back saying, oh, I ate too much yesterday. Well, I'm one to say the same, but it was so good and such a relaxing day around family and friends and visiting some people that are in care centers and Whatever, just a fantastic weekend uh, as far as for me and I hope for everyone out there. It's a wonderful time of the year, and uh, it was a beautiful day on Saturday out at the Coliseum and to watch the Trojans out there. And uh, this year we were in the press box, Ryan. I don't know if you normally sit in the press box, but normally I don't sit in the press box on uh, with the spring game and had a comfortable seat there with a little lunch and uh, enjoyed it very much. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, an awesome day for spring football. I, I tweeted out a picture. How many spring games do you have a view of the Hollywood sign over the stadium? So you don't get to see that a whole lot. Uh, great view of downtown. So it was a, it was a wonderful day. We're going to talk about, uh, everything we saw out there in the game. Wanted to thank our sponsor first, Southern California Tickets. So sctickets.com. Pretty easy, right? sctickets.com is a website or you can call them at 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for anything. It's baseball season. Are you a Dodger fan or an Angel fan? You want to go out to uh, Chavez Ravine and check out the game without Vin Scully anymore, but you want to go check those out uh, or any games across the country, you can go to sctickets.com and they'll help you out. They've been helping us out for many, many, many years here on the Peristyle Podcast, and we really appreciate it. Go say hi to Curtis. Tell him Coach Harvey Hyde sent you. Um, yeah, Coach, it was a really wonderful day uh, for college football out there. You know, it's... We thought it was going to be a full-on game, at least according to Clay Helton, earlier in the spring. And then even as late as early last week, it was going to be like out of a modified scoring kind of thing, not a full-on game because there was a lot of injuries and 
you know, there's only a couple tackles available. There just weren't a lot of bodies that you could run, you know, full two teams of, uh, you know, two, like a first and a second team or split it up in any way without having guys having to play on both teams. And then by Thursday, he was like, yeah, they're not even going to keep score. It's just going to be basically a practice. <laughs> and, uh, that's it. So 14,000 or so USC fans showed up. Uh, I thought it was a pretty decent crowd and checked out really was, was kind of a glorified practice, but I wanted to kind of get your thoughts coach on, you know, what you saw out there and what you thought of the format and all of that. Well, uh, it was a beautiful day, as you said, and I enjoyed uh, looking around the Coliseum. I got there early, had a chance to look at the new scoreboard, visualize what that's going to be like, looked at the playing field, uh, watched the warm-ups, didn't know uh, really what to expect, as you didn't. They didn't have as many individual drills as I thought they might have, as far as I thought it might be just like a regular practice, brought the team together, and... Uh, got after it as far as the different uh, positions on the fields and different things you're trying to accomplish in the middle of the field or coming out of the end zone or whatever. Kicked a few uh, field goals with no pressure, uh, no kickoff coverage, uh, one punt in warm-ups, one or two punts at the end of the warm-ups. Uh, not much on the kicking game whatsoever. Uh, I would have liked to see them kick under pressure because I think it's really important. It's a lot different kicking under pressure as far as with people rushing than it is just standing there and kicking the ball and knowing no one's going to be in your face. But uh, they didn't get uh, into that much. A lot of concern about the injury factor. Uh, sometimes I think it might be a little bit too much. I think sometimes when you don't hit, your body doesn't become accustomed to getting hit, hit and you become more injury-prone. I think a lot of these new changes in the rules where you're taking all the hitting out of practice, uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, I don't know if your body becomes conditioned to any type of uh, hit or injury and recovery. And uh, It could be such a thing as being a little bit too cautious. So that was my main concern as far as this spring. We can talk about it more, and I'm sure we have questions. Yeah, um, you know, we have some questions, but I want to just kind of we'll do a little discussion about the spring game, uh, first. I mean, format wise, I get it because, you know, if, if you don't have enough for, you're really even one and a half offensive lines, it's kind of hard to run something there. Uh, but they, I know they cut it off a little short. We were up in the press box, like you said, and they told us, uh, they'll, you know, the, which kind of drills they were going to do. And like during the end, they'll do a two minute drill and you guys can kind of walk down to the field at the end, you know, while that's going on and then kind of conduct your interviews. And they were doing some special team stuff and then just blew three horns and just ended it. So it was even, I guess, even a little quicker than I thought. And I get, you know, maybe they could have done some more. Uh, but I kind of got the feeling, coach, just from Clay Helton, the last couple of practices that things kind of shortened up a little bit. Uh, attrition was, you know, hot. I mean, there was just, Bodies and bodies getting hurt, just dinged up, not, you know, out for the season kind of injuries, but just people not able to participate. And you just kind of got the feeling, coach, that Clay Helton was like, all right, we're probably done. We don't really need to do any more this spring. He felt, it seemed like he felt comfortable with where they were and we're ready to just call it. Well, you know, I got that indication too, Ryan, especially when the, the two practices I attended ended earlier too. All of a sudden I said, that's it. And practice was over, I'd say, the last 
three or four practices uh, a half an hour early or, or when I thought that it was going to be over. Let's say, put it to you that way. And uh, I'm not sure if the extra practices for the Rose Bowl was something that determined that because he saw what he needed to see. But, you know, you always hear me say that you can't waste practice time, but you don't have, you don't have a lot of practice time as far as getting yourself ready to play or, or hit or play the game of football. You can go through all the weights you want and all the, you know, skeletons you want and seven-on-seven you want, but without the rush and without the pressure and without the real action and the speed of the game, I I don't know if you get better. And uh, I don't know uh, if that was accomplished. I think there was a lot of caution in this spring for USC. Caution as far as injuries. uh, Caution as far as uh, maybe they're satisfied. They don't feel they need to get better. They're good, but you always hear me say about getting the right players at the right position. And, of course, uh, I felt this spring that, uh, especially in the spring game, if you're not going to go with your ones and twos, that you let your twos and threes or whatever go in a full scrimmage and prove to uh, you and them if they can play. That way they have tapes that they can watch the entire summer. You can get evaluation under full speed uh, play. These kids have a chance to see or show you who they are and uh, get better. And you have a longer period of time or more plays to decide who's three and who's two as far as the quarterback position. So, uh, and you know, I'm not big in rotation. And I saw a lot of re- rotation on Saturday as far as a lot of substitution on every play. There was almost a different back on every play, a different receiver on every play. And you, you know how I feel as far as getting the feel of it, becoming a unit. Uh, understanding each other, the timing of everything. So I'm not a big uh, guy on that. So I think in the fall they've got to decide who their guys are and determine who their receivers are going to be so they can get to know each other and run the routes that are there and get after it. Who are your five linemen? Put them together as a unit, and I'm sure they're going to try to do that. I'm not second-guessing them. But I'd like to have seen a little bit more full action this spring, a little bit more hitting. And if you got guys that are hurt, oh, hold them out. But, you know, sometimes you got to practice with a bruise. Sometimes you just got to rub some dirt on it, right, Coach? <laughs> no, you uh, do. You okay. do. Otherwise, you're going to get soft. Yeah. I really think you're going to get soft. And you can't get soft in this game. Well, for what you did get to see out there, obviously it was limited. Um, I guess we can start on the offensive side. We only got to see a handful of plays uh, from Sam Darnold. So I know many of the fans that came out there, that's probably what they wanted to see. Um, you know, his number one target, Deontay Burnett, didn't practice. A bunch of guys uh, were out, obviously. But anything that you saw from, you know, offensive players that stood out to you? Well, you know, I think you've got some great young receivers. There's no question about it. Uh, I saw some some guys get after pretty good, Pittman and Vaughn, and and uh, I saw you know tight ends didn't catch a lot of balls this spring. And Angeline, Angeline, I guess that's the way he pronounced his name, the big tight end, 86. He dropped a touchdown pass. I don't think the tight ends really got the the necessary throws they needed in the spring. You heard me talk about this last week as far as spreading the defense, and if you throw to your tight end a lot, 
you're going to have a, a lot more trouble defending the receivers. I didn't see the tight ends being utilized. Uh, I think they've got great talent. Okay, I watched the tackles play. I like the I like the young tackles they have. Johnson and yeah, I thought that uh, Johnson played well. Clayton he played the uh, uh, left tackle and Brown played the right tackle. Uh, are they going to be uh, starters in, in the in the fall? I I don't think so because they have people coming back. I I won't say that, but uh, I think they've got a a chance because they're young kids with big bodies. And uh, you learn to control that body, and you'll be good. I think Nico Fala is definitely. I told you, what, a month ago that Fala was going to be the center. I don't care. You can play him anywhere you want. He's going to be the center, and he's going to be the center. He said it himself. You've got to have a guy back that, that handles the middle of the line, makes the calls, and has that experience that they have. I think the two guards are going to be back and playing. I think Lobanon, they just kept him out. He could have practiced. You and I watched him run around and do his things. But he didn't need to prove anything. You know, he's a 20-game starter. and uh, He doesn't need to prove anything. And Vinny, uh, with his torn bicep, tricep, whatever it is, he'll be back ready to go in the fall. Schumer will be ready to go. I think the number one question is who's going to be the, the right tackle. I think they've got good backups. I think the offensive line's got good depth. Uh, I looked at them up close like you did at practice. They look like football players, and they're getting some great offensive linemen coming in in the fall. So, you know, it's just getting them ready to play, uh, getting them tough, getting them to understand uh, what the game is all about, and, and owning the line of scrimmage. That's where it's won on the offensive side of the ball. The running backs, uh, you know, it wasn't really a, a great spring for the running backs except for, uh, number 29, I thought uh, Malapiai had a good spring, but he had a lot of reps. And that's how he got better. All of a sudden, a lot of people, never, they didn't even know who Malapiai was in, in the fall. But he was hurt, don't get me wrong, kid from Hawaii. But he, he got a chance to get some reps, so people got a chance to find out who he was. So uh, I think all on that side of it, and the rotation of the receivers on the offensive side of the football, I think... I think uh, there's no no question in my mind that Fink's the number two guy and Sears is the number three guy uh, as far as the quarterback's concerned. But I think it's going to be real important on how they attack uh, the the fall camp as far as getting their, the rotation, their players together. And You can't keep guessing, well, he had a good day and he had a good day and someone else had a good day. Hey, you got to find out who are my guys. Burnett is one of them, okay, as far as the receiver. Green had a good day. Where are we going to play him? All right. Now, let's get our guys together. Let's cut down the rotations. This is not an intramural program. And let's find out who our football players are on the offensive side and the defensive side we hadn't even talked about. Yeah, I wanted to go to the defensive side because a lot of praise from Clay Helton about how the defense played. I think it made it a little difficult uh, to get this, you know, what we did see of the offense to get it going uh, some of the times. I got to talk to Chenna and Wusu. Um, after the, you know, after the, the scrimmage and, uh, you know, he's just, he's just going to be one of those quiet leaders out there. seems like he's, you know, destined to, to have a huge season. Um, you know, I, it just looks like to me, coach, you know, spring ball's over, uh, the defense probably, if you had to, who won, I think it would be the defense, but it seems to be this team is going to probably go as far as this defense can carry it. Well, it's important to have a great defense, but you keep the other team uh, offense off the field. 
gives you more opportunities on the offensive side of the ball with your offense. Give your uh, offense uh, gives your offense great field position and got a lot of confidence when your team can come in on defense and create turnovers and, if necessary, uh, make a goal line stand and uh, you know three and out, three and out, three and out, and it, it builds up the momentum of the game. And it's uh, on the defensive side of the football is where you intimidate a football team. It isn't on the offensive side. It's the defensive side where you intimidate your opponent by the way you fly around and run to the football and the way you put hits on people and the way you swarm and pursue and all of the above. That That's what intimidation is all about on the defensive side of the ball. Now, you know, with the offensive line out, uh, a lot of the major starters, the defense, of course, is going to look better. Now, the defense had guys out, too. Port Augustine didn't practice the entire spring. So some of your top players weren't out there on the defensive side of the ball. So some of the younger players got reps, which they really needed. And I think some of the other young players came didn't come along, I thought, and I'm not going to single them out, as, as what I thought they should have as far as stepping up and playing faster and jumping off the football and, and all of that. And I think you got to be a little bit careful in praising your defense too much to tell you how good everybody thinks they are because all of a sudden if somebody moves the ball on them and if somebody, if, they, if they're not having the success you expect them to have, then everybody says, oh, what's happening out there? What's happening out there? Hey, you got to say, hey, guys, you got a lot of work to do. You know, you might be have the potential to be one of the best defenses in the in the Pac-12, but, hey, don't talk to me about it. Show me. And I think that's what you have to do. And, then, and I think it helps your offense, too, to go against a great defense because it makes you better. Uh, how good is it for you as an offensive player or coach to go against a lot of soft, inexperienced, defensive players that make you any better you got to go get somebody that's going to stoke you and hit you and want to take you off the line of scrimmage and on defense you've got to be the type of guy that wants to attack and play on their side that's the only way you get better so i think the competitive part of what spring practice is supposed to be about and fall practice is supposed to be about is what develops the pride in your unit the pride in who you are and you've got to establish an identity. You always hear me talk about identity. You've got to have an identity of who we are. So I think that on the defensive side, uh, they've got to still establish an identity. Like, who are the defensive leaders? Who is going to be the guy, a player that's going to be in your face if you miss a tackle or if you break down somewhere? Same thing on the offensive side of the football. Who's the guy that's going to be in the locker room telling you, hey, kid, you better grow up in a hurry. That type of stuff that makes it happen. So, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, you don't cry, cry about if somebody's hurt. You don't cry about what do you, we don't have depth. What do you mean? I wouldn't change the USC roster. Here I go again, coach. This is what you're going to say out there. <laughs> Who would you exchange rosters with in the Pac-12? Brian, I'm going to ask you that. Who would you exchange rosters for? Yeah, I wouldn't at this point. You, you take USC's roster. No. No. So what, what am I telling you guys out there that ask me, Coach, how is the, how's the team going to be everywhere I go? What would you think? How's the team going to be this year? Well, if you have the best players, then you ought to do pretty good. Now it's you, your job as a coach. 
to motivate these players, put them in the right place, teach them the game of football, don't be too fancy, don't have your players thinking. You let them play football if you have the best football players. If my ex is bigger than your old, I'm going to win. So don't screw them up. Um, some of the X's and O's, we talk about offense, defense. Let's talk a little special teams before we move on to some questions, Coach. Uh, you know, Matt Bormeister is no longer there. Uh, doesn't look like he's going to be returning to the program. Everyone seems to kind of move on, even though he was the hero of the Rose Bowl. Uh, so you're going to have a new kicker out there for sure. Uh, you got a new long snapper. We saw Zach Smith, the senior, was uh, getting his Rose Bowl ring out there uh, at halftime or whatever you want to call it uh, with the other players that are departing. Um, a lot of guys out there for that. We did get to see, uh, I think it was a 50-yard field goal made. We see it, we saw Jake Olson, uh, you know, snapping the ball. So he was, you know, a blind long snapper on a perfect, uh, he looked like he had a perfect snap and they completed the field goal on that. I thought that was interesting. But anything that you stood out from the special teams-wise for you? Well, we didn't see a lot of special teams, as you know. I think he made seven of ten field goals. Uh, one punt. Uh, what I was looking for, I'm being honest with you, is I'd like to see some kickoffs, okay? I want to see where the ball is going in the end zone. You, you always hear me say, put the ball out of the end zone every time and you know where the ball is going to be after the kickoff, okay? And, uh, last year, we did that. Or USC did that. Uh, Bormeister was able to kick the ball into the end zone and not allow any returns. I'd like to see that every single kickoff. Every one. Then first of all, nobody's going to get hurt. Secondly, you know, you're going to know where the ball is. You can get ready to call your defensive. You're not going to let the change of emotion happen where you just scored a field goal or you just scored a touchdown and they run the damn kickoff back for a touchdown. You, you, you know where the momentum's <laughs> going to be, huh? That's always a killer. That is. And that happens. So we didn't have a chance, and you were there, to see consistency in that. I don't want to see one out of three. I want to see every one not returnable. Then I feel pretty good about my coverage, too. You know why? There is no coverage to worry about. You do teach it. You do all those things. But I could spend most of my time on the onside kick then. Because if we're ever behind... I'm going to be real damn good at the onside kick because we're going to practice that more as far as coverage because we're going to kick the ball out of the end zone every single time. And if you don't, you're going to have to come out of the game and I'm going to be waiting for you at the hash mark, okay? Or what used to get me the most is you score a touchdown and the guy kicks the ball out of bounds. <laughs> That's Are terrible. you kidding me? And they get the ball in the 40. I mean, these are the type of things I think that's real important, right? Yeah. And, and like I said, it didn't really get to see, um, much of that, but you know, it looks like, uh, Michael Brown's got a good enough leg. I don't think people were too worried about the kicker. Once you have a kicker be like the hero or that, you know, finish the, the Rose Bowl off, then people want to talk about the position more. Uh, I think they'll be okay. They got, they got guys on scholarship. If you're a kicker on scholarship, you shouldn't have, you know, fans should be worrying about you. you should be, you know, adequate enough to, uh, to do what they need to do. So, uh, we'll, we'll know more in the fall on special teams. But I did think the Jake Olson moment, that was kind of nice to see that. It's always nice to see it, but I want to see it. You want I want to see it consistently. <laughs> you, you got a lot of confidence. Me as a head coach or a coach, a coach, 
I want to see it. I want to see the guy kick the ball out of the end zone or into the end zone, not returnable. And I want to find out why John Baxter, whoever scholarship Mike Brown, and I, and I'm not definitely against the kid. I just want to see it happen. Yeah. If you have a full scholarship at USC, you should kick the ball out of the end zone. Yeah. Does that make sense to me? <laughs> I mean, I would tell him. I like I like that. That's a, like a requirement. Like we will, we would give you a scholarship as a kicker. We've done it before, but if you can't kick the ball out of the end zone, it's a non-fact. We can't do it. There's a law. No, no. The it's Harvey Hyde rule. Part of the deal. <laughs> it's just part of the deal. Okay, and I hope he can. Yeah. And if he can, that's all I care about. Let's move on. Tarek has a question. He said, based on what you saw in the spring, would you be comfortable with Jack Sears or Matt Fink? leading the offense if Sam Darnold goes down. I'm not trying to be negative, just realistic in the sense that if Darnold goes down, it is doubtful that expectations will from Tarek. Well, my my feeling is there is such a difference between Sam Darnold and everyone else that, that yes, I, I would be very, uh, uh, I want to use the coach uh, term as depressed, but I'd say we got to find another way to win. And what I mean by that, Sam Darnold's a winner. Sam Darnold's going to get it done. He's going to find a way to get it done. He'll he'll make a play himself that'll make a difference in a football game. I'm not quite sure if Fink or Sears is uh, at that level. I'm, I know they're not. And uh, if something was to happen to Sam, then you would have to find another way to win, which means you're going to have to play great defense, play great field position, uh, Allow your other athletes, your running backs, your offensive line to blow people off the ball, your play action pass. That means you've got to have the running game going, which you need to do anyway, but you got to have it going where the running, running game will assist your quarterback as far as in the play action pass and, in 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 hurting the defense as far as them knowing that you can run the ball and get your play action pass in there and bring your quarterback along slowly. You can't just all of a sudden go in there and win. No, that's not going to happen, okay? And the kids know that. The quarterbacks know that. They need to get reps. And the team has got to become uh, comfortable with the new quarterback and confident in the new quarterback and, and let it happen. And right now, you know, that's not. there's such a difference because you've got maybe the number one college quarterback in the country and maybe one of the best ever at SC. And I'm saying maybe. Who knows? He's got to have a repeat year like he did last year, which is sometimes impossible. But I know this kid will try. He's a, he's a man among boys. So it's quite a difference. So you can't expect it to be the same. And you have to find another way to surround your quarterback with athletes and find a different way to win that, than with, with uh, Sam Donnelly quarterback. All right, Coach, let's move on. We have... Uh... You know what? We actually had a question about Sam Darnold. So let me, I'm going to go to that one first, even though it's not really about spring football. It's from Jim B. He said, love the show. It's the best SC football podcast in the business. Well, thank you, Jim. Uh, keep up the good work. There's a guy by the name of Steve, uh, Palazzo. I think that's how you say his name. A senior analyst at Pro Football Focus. He made the comment that the more I watch USC wide receivers and Pac-12 cornerbacks and the more I get to watch Sam Darnold, the more I think that he's talented, but certainly no slam dunk number one pick. And of course, Darnold's long slowing motion will be picked apart. 
I've heard that complaint about Sam before, namely that he doesn't have a quick release. I've always thought that he had a very quick release. What's the truth here? Uh, fight on. Uh, that's from Jim B. Coach, what do you think? Jim, I think Sam's got to get a new TV. Or or if he's watching Sam Donald for his calling him uh, a slow release. I'll tell you, I had a, had a pro scout, a lot of pro scouts tell me at one time Randall Cunningham had a slow release, and I explained to him, that his arm's about two feet longer than everybody else's, so it's not going to be the same throwing motion. And they took him in the second round, made a mistake. Sam Darnold is a first-round selection, okay? He'd have been selected this year in the first round. And, uh, you know, there's different ways of releasing the football. And I think the number one thing that happens is you try to overcoach an individual. Let a player play and when he knows how to win, let him play that way. Like you used to hear me say, you know, you got to run the quarterback a little bit. And when Sam took off and ran the ball and opened up the entire offense, and when he scrambled around, he found the open receiver. Now, a lot of coaches would say, you got to stay in the pocket. You've got to stay in the pocket. What are you doing? What do you mean stay in the pocket? The guy's trying to stay alive. If he stayed in the pocket, he got killed. So... You can't take the athlete out of the athlete, the athletic ability. So I, I know I've heard of this guy, Sam, so on and, and whatever. Now, if I understood the question properly, he's asking if he's good, as good as we think he is. And I think he is. Now, was that what the question was? He's wondering if, what this guy is saying. Did I answer that question properly, Ryan? Yeah, well, and I think part of it is, is there a concern about his release and stuff? No, so I think... If you watch, and uh, I think it was Paul Meyerberg from USA Today came out and did a feature on Sam Darnold and was talking about it. We were watching him, and there is, when he kind of before, it's like pre, like before he throws, you see his, the ball come down. Like it's not, you know, if you watch some of the guys that are taught by the, the quarterback gurus and stuff, the ball is always very high. And then it kind of, I think it at least makes it look like a quicker release. I think his release is fine when he's at the top, but he does bring the ball like kind of down first. And I think part of that is just a lot of times he's throwing on the run and you're just doing, it's kind of an athletic thing. Um, so I think that's where some of the concern is. And I, I believe Paul talked to Sam about it a little bit and he, you know, I think he's trying to make some, you know, tweaks to things and he would like to stay in the pocket a little bit more. But like you said, that's what makes him special. So you don't want to really change that. Um, I don't think, you know, you have to worry about what the NFL scouts are going to feel or whatever. If, if Sam Darnold is going to be, is he going to be the, the right prototypical fit for an NFL quarterback? I still think he's like coach said, he'll be a high draft pick. Yeah. They might pick apart some of his stuff. Um, but if you're a USC fan, you know what he does works at the college level. It's already worked. He's only going to get better. It's going to work work better so I, w- I would if i w- i wouldn't worry about that too much jim but um, i still think like coach said he'll be a, a high pick jim don't worry about it jim i'll tell you these guys are just trying to find something wrong with a diamond okay <laughs> you know they look for a pure diamond there's always a flaw in a diamond you know instead of saying hey it's a pure diamond it's a great diamond they got to try something try to find something wrong with it instead of saying hey i love what i have it's right size and it fits the finger and this guy does that. I mean, I don't, I don't know how anybody can sit back. These guys that are gurus. I can give you as many busts that they, they picked after spending a billion dollars in recruiting. 
are not recruiting and, and trying to evaluate players. Hey, that's, that's all, you know, that word BS. I mean, you just want to sound important, okay? So do those quarterback gurus. <laughs> but he doesn't look like, like you could tell some of the guys that have been, you know, they've been coached by a quarterback guru from the very beginning. And I'm sure it's helped like a lot of people. There's not that kind of refinement, I guess you could say, in Sam Darnold's game that, you know, this is what a Steve Clarkson or whoever, like, you have to have your, you know, here, your elbows here, your arms there. He's natural. He does his own thing. So I, I don't think that's a terrible thing either. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> Reggie. No, but don't get me going in that, okay? Okay. All right. We won't. Don't, don't, get, don't get me going in, in all this guru stuff, okay? <laughs> okay. Parents paying all this money for five hundred dollars, you know, to make their kid a a great quarterback. I think it's great that you teach your kid the fundamentals and so on, but don't make him learn the fundamentals. A kid either's going to play it and loves to play it, and uh, let him enjoy himself. Don't make him do something he doesn't want to do. You know. Yes. Uh, Reggie in Seattle. He said, "Great podcast as usual." My question today is for the coach. He keeps uh, mentioning Levi Jones as a guy who could come in and be ready to play at the rush end or predator position linebacker. He's admitted that he hasn't seen enough of the current guys like Batiku and the others, but seems to keep discounting them. I don't understand what makes him think a freshman will be ready to come in and start, not just play, but start. I don't know if Jones will be big or strong enough to contribute right away. Let me know what you think. Fight on Reggie in Seattle. No, I agree with what he's saying. He's not going to be ready to come in and start right away. But what he has, he has the potential of doing what I think an outside rush guy should do, and that's beat the tackle off the line of scrimmage. Have great speed. He's a great athlete. He can play great from the outside. He can put pressure. Look at the number one draft choice you're talking about the Browns taking. Is it a quarterback or is it a rush guy? I mean, you got you you got to be able. I tell you, a quarterback doesn't throw real good when he's on his back looking at the sky. And it sort of disrupts everything. And Levi could do that. In fact, did you see him Saturday? Did you like his mohawk with the uh, with his uh, peroxided hair? Did you see that, Ryan? Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, really. And he's tall and he's thin. And uh, I think he's a great athlete. Now, the kid from – let me tell you, these other kids are great players too. This kid from Gorman is a heck of a player. He's a five-star player, I tell you. He's a real football player, and when I was in Vegas the last time, I was talking with people that know his family and so on. He's always wanted to be a Trojan. He was going to go to USC. And and this kid, that's what's great when a kid has always wanted to be a Trojan. He's going to come in. He's going to prove it. He's going to play. He'll play. Will he start? I don't know. But there's a lot of other four- and five-star guys that have a year or two on him, so it's awful difficult to come in and play as a freshman, like Marlin, the kid from Washington, I mean, he's a unique player, number 51. I mean, he's mature. He's 17 years old, yet he plays like a 21-year-old. Well, you don't always have that maturity that he has. But I think that Levi has the potential, along with other players, to play earlier than maybe you expect him to do and be the type of guy to give you the speed off the edge. And I think that's so important to have the speed off the edge. And we got to do that at USC. You got to do that no matter where you are. And uh, then contain it, force it all back to the inside to your guys that are coming up the middle. And all of a sudden, uh, it's not real good news for the quarterback. 
We got one last one for you, Coach. Uh, I thought this was kind of interesting. Marcel in the San Gabriel Valley wants to know, who do you think is going to be under more pressure in 2017? Chris Peterson, head coach at Washington, or Clay Helton, head coach at USC? Well, I think every coach is under pressure. When you say under more pressure, you know who puts the pressure on the coach? The coach himself. Uh, you know, coaches expect so much. They know they're making big money, and they know they're making big money because people expect things out of them. So, uh, you know, coaches have egos, just like everybody else. When you walk around, you like to see people run over and want to shake your hand and have your picture taken with them. Well, you know, when that starts to drop off, that means you're not winning many games. So they all understand there's pressure in the game, no matter if you're at Washington, Redlands, a high school. If you have the self-pride of understanding what your job is, that's like being a teacher where everybody in your class gets an A. You've got to feel real good about that. That means you've really taught a great class. Well, it's the same thing as coaching. You know, you count the victories. Every coach looks at his schedule and says, okay, we should win this game. This is going to be a tough one. We should win this game. A coach has a feeling of what he expects to do during that season, realistically. Now, we're going to have to play real good here, and this game we should be able to win because we're just better than they are. And coaches put the pressure on themselves, believe me. Now, they understand their position. They know it's the same thing in the NFL as anything else. You only have so many years, and you got to get it done. And I've always told my assistant coaches who got head coaching jobs, do it your way. Do it your way, because you're not going to get a lot of opportunities to be a head football coach in the NFL or in the college. So do it your way. They put pressure on themselves, and if they are successful, obviously the big salaries come. Clay Helton has one of the greatest coaching jobs in America. Uh, Washington, uh, obviously, when you give people pay raises like they're giving Chris up there, that puts more pressure on him. All these coaches that are in these key positions, they get gray quick. They get old-looking quick. They don't sleep a lot, and they got a lot of pressure on them. So uh, coaches put the pressure on themselves. Do they read the newspapers? They say they don't, but you know what coaches have? Rabbit ears. Coaches hear everything that people say. Coaches hear through other people what so-and-so said. Coaches do read the newspaper. Coaches do listen to the podcast. Coaches do the things they say they don't do. So uh, coaches put the pressure on themselves. And coaches have told me they've learned a lot by talking to people that sometimes they're too close to really see what they should be doing sometimes and they find out from others. Were you back in the day, coach, when you were coaching? Did you say, I never read the newspapers, but you read them all? <laughs> I used to tell them just so you spell the name right. Okay. <laughs> H Y D E. H Y D E. They used to laugh when I'd say that. Guys, say anything you want, just spell the name right. Nice. All right. Well, coach, hey, great stuff. Uh, wrapping up spring football. 2017. We're going to get Dan Weber on this week too. We'll, we'll talk to him, get his thoughts because you guys have some questions for Dan too. But that'll wrap it up for me and Coach Hyde. Um, hard to believe spring football is over, Coach. It is. It, it finished early, but it gives them more time to get out and uh, do recruiting. Other programs, uh, some have, have uh, been completed for a couple of weeks. 
So uh, they'll get out now and get the spring going. It just seems like they finished recruiting, and they're out recruiting again. And I'll tell you another thing that I saw at the spring game, right? I don't know if you noticed it. I know you noticed everything. I don't think I've ever seen as many recruits at a spring game that USC had this spring game. They were all over the place. It was like the old days. Kids are really demonstrating they want to be a part of the Trojans. Yeah, there were there were a lot of them, and uh, that was a good sign. So, future looks bright. Uh, just now we're just ready, ready for the season to get here. We got to get through the summer, the PRPs, player run practices, and we'll start fall camp, which looks like it's going to start early, maybe in July now, with no two a day practices. Uh, of course, probably sometime in July we'll have Pac-12 Media Day. So lots of stuff to uh, get to, but for right now, we'll put a bow on Spring Football 2017 for USC. That's Coach Harvey Hyde. I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you Brian, guys... Brian, before you go. Oh, Coach, Coach got before something Before we go, we need a little OT here a minute. Okay, okay a little OT. OT. You mentioned that, and I wouldn't have said it anything about it, but you mentioned starting in July, hey, people, hey, rule makers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, these kids don't have any time off. Let them have a little summer, will you please? And coaches too. I think there should be a dead period during the summer. You guys think I'm wrong. I think they shouldn't be able to practice, no balls, let everybody do their thing. Let them look forward to coming back to football season. The coaches too, let them have a vacation, let them get away. Hey, starting in July, do you realize if you start in July and if you go to the national championship game, how long of a season that is? Please, rule makers, get your head out of you know what. Make it something that is something that makes it a great experience. This is not the NFL. This is college football. Let's let these kids have a little bit of a break and a little bit of a college experience. Let them do some things different than just play football. They can pump iron. They can do that stuff. You couldn't keep them out of a weight room. Great athletes today are going to work out on their own. They're trained that way. But to start practice in July, I'm telling you, Brian, I'm not going to practice in July. You go and tell me what they're doing, okay? <laughs> because I'm, I'm going to take a little vacation in July. It's ridiculous. And for you people out there, I'll see you at vacation. But I'm going to be back with you next week. Yeah. So, I mean, so if people don't know the NCAA, uh, division one council. So this was from Friday announced new rule, eliminating multiple contact practices a day in the preseason. So basically no two a days. You can't do that anymore. So I, um, and so I think what people are, I, you know, I haven't read a, a, enough on this, but I believe what Dan Weber was talking about is with, you know, you could still have the same number of practices. But yeah. now they'll probably start it off earlier. So that's why it would start in July instead of, you know, early August. Ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It, it's too long. It's too long. Double days won't kill you. I mean, double days, if you go shimbles or shirts in the morning with helmets and pads in the afternoon, if you ask the kids, they'd rather do that. Believe me, if you ask the kids. But they, uh, they don't ask the kids, so... Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> well, and so what you can't do, you can have like a walkthrough, but you can't have any kind of equipment. There are no helmets or anything. Um, there can't be any conditioning for that walkthrough. So, and you know, I'm, I'm curious to see, I, USC did kind of been doing this the last couple of years anyway, not really doing full two a days, but I think they're early, you know, one of their practices, they might have helmets on and stuff. I need to double check with, 
Clay Helton and the team and just make sure. But I believe that's what they were doing. But now, like, if you can have a walkthrough, but no helmets, no conditioning. It's just really, if you're on the field, it's really just a walkthrough and that's it. And then you have to have like three hours break until uh, between that and like the regular, you know, contact practice. So, um, rules are changing. And, you know, Dan Weber was talking about, well, if you bump fall camp into, Late July, that's a lot of times that's when the Pac-12 media day is. So they might have to move Pac-12 media days because you can't have like that going on while spring, like, you know, fall camps going on because coaches and players couldn't make it. Um, so yeah, that's a lot, a lot of changes going on, coach. So we'll see what, how it impacts everything. Yeah. We'll have to see what's going on. Remember amateur sports. Uh, I hope they still remember that. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, and they think about the kid and I know they are. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they aren't, but you can't just drain people. You can't extend it. I used to love the walkthroughs in the morning. I used to say that's better than a chalk talk, but you actually see what you're supposed to be drawing on the, the board. You walk throughs in the morning, then you practice it in the afternoon. That's a great way of doing it. Instead of now lengthening, uh, the period of time that you have practice, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if the coaches have any say in this or not, but uh, we'll see what happens. We'll definitely see. All right. Well, uh, that's good. We had a little OT. Now we'll wrap it up. Uh, so that's Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.